It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com on the Giants app. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Giants obviously did not play this weekend. Uh, They fell last Thursday to the San Francisco 49ers, 30-12. So uh, Lance and Paul did their full recap of the game last Friday, so we're not going to go through that again. So we're going to try to get in as many of your calls as we can at 201-939-4513. A couple things, Lance, over the weekend, uh, I had a little time. I went through the tape again. A couple things kind of jumped out to me that I want to throw out to you, and then we'll kind of get to the calls here. You know, coming out of the game, I sat there, and, you know, you look at it, you know, it was like a 36 37% pressure rate allowed. You're like, all right, you know, that's actually not that bad. You know, Daniel Jones only got sacked a couple times. You know, it wasn't terrible. Then I went and I looked at the tape. <laughs> and the only reason it wasn't terrible is because the Giants were doing all they can uh, in terms of the protection, to get the ball out as, as quickly as they possibly could. And this is what I came up with here. I kind of broke it down by time holding the ball. They only had 12 dropbacks where they held it, where Daniel Jones held the ball for more than two and a half seconds. And that's not a huge number. That's kind of like your median time, right? He was pressured on 10 of those, okay? 14 of his 22 dropbacks where he held it for just more than two seconds, he had pressure on those. He had plays 15 passes where he held the ball for less than two seconds. For context, if you're doing a traditional three-step drop, that's generally just over two. So this is, you know, speed outs, quick screens, get the ball out immediately where you have no chance to get home. It's almost impossible to sack a quarterback in less than two seconds. On those plays, Daniel Jones was 13 of 15 for 61 yards. So... When you take a look at it, the only reason he wasn't sacked more is because they had 15 passes where he got the ball out in under two seconds. But whenever he held it for more than two seconds, he had pressure it was face. basically yeah. a 70% pressure rate, which is very similar to what you had in Dallas in week one. So I think even though the sack numbers weren't what it was in week one, the and again, I'm not killing the offensive line here. They had a bunch of injuries and guys were playing out of position and things like that. You know, they had third stringers in there. And it happens, the 49ers are a great pass rush, but that really did limit what they were able to do offensively, especially trying to get the ball down the field. Where I watched it, they had plays where they're sending Hyatt deep, and like he had three or four times where he was open, and every time he was open deep, Daniel Jones is getting flushed out of the pocket before he can even wind up to make the throw. So offensively, and I don't want to spend much time on the offense, but I have a lot of things to say about the defense. That, to me, was the bottom line in this game. Just, you know, Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen not being there really kind of didn't give them much of a chance in this game to move the ball. Now, with that being said, against Arizona, they did have time in the second half, and that's why they were able to capitalize on some of those deep balls. Different defensive line. Correct. No, without a doubt. But, I mean, that just goes to show you we could sit here and talk about you have Jalen Hyatt, you have Darren Waller, you have all of these attractive items. Bingo. The offensive line doesn't handle its business, and Daniel Jones can't look up for more than two seconds. It defeats the purpose of all of that talent. And I think you saw that again against the Niners, just like we had anticipated, which would be closer to the Dallas game as opposed to the Arizona game. Yeah, so I think some of those raw numbers, even the pressure stats, did not quite give the full picture as to what the upfront issues were against the 49ers. I mean, if you look at some of the... You know, I don't like using their grades, but just as a basis, if you look at the grades for the Giants' offensive linemen and they're like, PFF tracks pressures allowed for each guy, quarterback hits and sacks, and they also have a stat called beaten by defender. And the reason they track a beaten by defender stat is a lot of times you'll get beat, but the ball's out so fast, your guy didn't impact the quarterback, right? And those sure. numbers were all very high for some of the players for the Giants in this game because, again, they got the ball out really quick. It's very similar, just real quick, to a yeah. turnover-worthy play, yeah. but there's no Correct. interception on the player fumble because whatever may have happened, the defensive back dropped the ball, but you still put the ball in danger. It just didn't necessarily show up that way in terms of the box score. That is correct. All right, this is the other thing I, I took a look at here. The Giants, and this is where I think, on offense, I think 
getting healthy will solve a lot of your problems, right? Getting Andrew Thomas back will help. Getting Ben Bredesen back will help. Getting Saquon Barkley back will help a lot. And we'll see if those guys are ready to go Monday night. We don't know that yet. But, look, we said before the year, and we did a little survey, who are the guys on offense besides the quarterback you can least afford to lose? And the two guys we chose between me, you, and Paul were Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. So, literally, the two most important guys on offense, and and that's going to impact what you do. Defensively, I think there's more to sort through here. Yes, were they missing Aziz Ojolari? Sure, just one guy. You should be able to survive that loss, right? Sure. And still be yeah. good enough. A couple of numbers that I came up with here that um, I think illustrate some of the issues and things that have to get better. The Giants, I would say, have had 25 meaningful defensive drives this year. And when I say meaningful, I'm taking out the last couple Cowboy drives, the last couple Niners drives, and those games were completely out of hand, backups were in, they were just running the ball out. So I threw those out, right? I threw out another drive where it was either Dallas or San Francisco just kneeled it two times at the end of the half. They're not trying to score. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can get out of that. Yeah. So 25 meaningful drives. The opponent has either scored or missed a field goal on 17 of those 25 drives. That's 68%. That is not tenable. That is not getting off the field. All right. Well, the Niners scored on six of their nine possessions, which and, were legitimate. And Dallas was all but two. And then they stopped Arizona on the four at the end, right? The yep. four, the last five of the draw. So that's eight. That's how you get the 17 of 25, right? So then the other number I looked at against Dallas, the Giants allowed four scoring drives of 50 or more yards. Against Arizona, they allowed four scoring drives or 50 or more yards. And against San Francisco, they allowed six drives, scoring drives of 50 or more yards. So while you had some of the turnover issues against Dallas, and those did contribute to some of those points with the interception return for a touchdown, the blocked field goal return for a touchdown, those are, let me do my math real quick, 14 drives they've allowed teams to score. I think the missed field goal drive is included in that too because it's an attempt to score, right? Yeah. 14 drives of 50 or more yards that the Giants defense had allowed just through three games. That's too much. The defense has to start figuring things out here and figure out a way to get off the field. I mean, they've given up 40 points, 30 points, and then 28 points. I mean, that's has to get better. It has to get better. And quite frankly, the Dallas offense has not been all that impressive this year. Granted, they didn't have to do much in that first game because of all the you know the uh, two defensive scores and everything. And the Cardinals offense is fine, but it's not you know a top ten offense. So they did pretty well against Dallas yesterday. We could talk about that game too, but. The defense, Lance, has to get their act together here and figure out how they're going to go about trying to stop people. And they tried it different ways, right? Against Arizona, they didn't blitz quite as much, right? They held back a little bit. Didn't work until the final four drives. San Francisco, they blitz more than 80% of the time. I've never seen a blitz rate that high. Actually, I think I just saw the Vikings had a higher blitz rate this week. But you don't see blitz rates of like 86% very often. They tried to bring the heat against the Niners. And by the way, they forced Purdy into some inaccurate throws earlier in that game, but the secondary couldn't take advantage and pick yeah. him off, right? And Kittle so, did a nice job switching to defensive back yeah, on one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So this defense has to kind of figure out what they're doing well here to get opposing offenses off the field because they just allowed way too many long extended drives that have resulted in scores. Well, it's the old story on offense if you just flip the script. It's hard to sustain lengthy drives because you assume there's going to be some negative play Mm -hmm. or some penalty, some turnover. On defense, the Giants are not presenting those disruptive plays for opposing offenses. Still no takeaways this year. As a result, and just two sacks, which is a very small number for three games. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about the quarterback hits have risen a little bit against Arizona and San Francisco compared to Dallas, but you're not doing enough to give the defense, the offense, excuse me, a reason to switch up what they're doing. Even the tackle and, for loss numbers on run plays yeah, are not very high. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. you know, negative plays. Yeah, and you look, just you don't have much volume or substance to turn to to say, okay, this is what we could do in terms of our bread and butter to get the offense off the field. 
It and just has not happened consistently. And then even when they got the Niners behind the sticks in week three, then they were giving up third and longs all over the place. Yeah, well, you had a third and 13 and a third and 15 on one drive. And then there was a third and 12 yep. where Kittle was a yard short, but then Leonard Williams had the roughing the passer penalty. So, I mean, that's three third downs of 10 or more yards that you gave up to extend drives. And, I mean, we could throw in the Kayvon Thibodeau penalty and the Darnay Holmes penalties too, which also, by the way, happened, we're talking about, on third downs or when the team is not on the door in the red zone. So there were three big aspects to defense that we talk about here, right? And I'm trying to figure out here where I think the Giants have the best chance to kind of fix their identity on that side of the ball. You have your run defense, right, which has not been good enough. Yep. They got ran on by Arizona in the first half against San Francisco. They got ran on as well. Dallas was fine, but not good enough. You have pass rush. We've already been through that, right? That certainly has not been good enough yet this year. Then you have coverage. I mean, how many balls have the giant defensive backs gotten their hands on this year? Just hasn't been a lot. Like, the ball's going up, and we talked about the interceptions. I'm just talking pass deflections. There's been guys open, and they, they just haven't figured out those one of those three aspects yet, Lance, to at least build off of that. Because once you've got, all right, we're stopping the run well. Now we can put some more resources into coverage. All right, we're covering well. We can send more guys on the blitz. Okay, we're getting pressure. All right, we can put more guys in coverage. It, until you check one of those boxes, it's hard for Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator to make any adjustments without debilitating one of those three aspects of the defense. And I, I'm not sure I have an answer right now until one of those three aspects organically just begin doing a better job. Well, we figured, I think, going back to the offseason, based on what they brought in to help stop the run – that that would be hammered out. That has not come to fruition. I think there were still questions about the pass rush because sure. we haven't seen Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari on the field very often together. So you can't really gauge much about what could play out over 17 games. And those are the two items that I would point to that alleviate the young guys on the back end. And we're not talking about did they get their hands on footballs or they didn't get enough interceptions. So where it has to change, in my mind, is it has to change up front. And if it doesn't change up front, John, it really doesn't make a difference in terms of how good the coverage is for the young guys. They're going to eventually get beat because they can't cover for that long. Yeah, look, you hit it. And I think, you know, we knew going into this year that, and we'll see if Deontay Banks is going to be healthy, by the way, for Monday night, too. With the arm injury, yeah. Exactly. But we all knew, starting two rookie corners outside, they're going to give up some plays. It's just the way it goes. Nature Rookie of the corners beast, yeah. are never great in year one. It's just the way it goes. And DeAndre Banks has been fine. He hasn't given up a lot of plays. He hasn't been dominant, but he has. He's been. He's been good. You know, and Trey Hawkins is a sixth round pick out of Old Dominion. They needed this defensive front, Lance, to a stop the run, to the point that we've been making all summer, and we thought they would. It hasn't been good enough yet. And number two, get more pass rush. You know, get home. And the game flow has had something to do with that over the first three weeks. Absolutely. You know. Down big early to Dallas, down big early to Arizona. They don't have to throw the ball and push the ball down the field. Uh, San Francisco, A, has, you know, a great design in their offense. So I think that mitigates some of that too. But there just has not been enough disruption up front in either the run defense or the pass defense to the point we both made earlier is getting some of those negative plays to, to giving your secondary some help. I mean, this is where the resources have been put into, right? You have Dexter Lawrence that's got a big extension. Leonard Williams, I think, has the top five highest base salary in the whole league this year of any position. Kayvon Thibodeau was a top five pick. Aziz Ojolari was a second-round pick. They just paid Bobby Okereke a lot of money in free agency. They bring in Ashawn Robinson, who's a veteran. Nacho is a veteran. You know, that's where they put a lot of the resources in. That unit, I think, has to just be a little bit more dominant up front. And that, I think, would have the ripple effect where it's helping the rest of the defense and solving some of these problems we're talking about. Well, you look at San Francisco, for example. I mean, you notice Javon Hargrave. You notice Nick Bosa. You notice Eric Armstead. You notice Drake Jackson throughout that game. Did you notice the Giants' defensive front? I mean, forget what the numbers say. We could be here all day long, and we could shift through pro football focus and all their analytics. What does the optics tell you? What was the impact? Yeah, right? th through the first three games of the season, I don't feel any of us walked away and were talking about the defensive front and saying, hey, I remember this play, I remember that play where Dexter Lawrence split two guys on the offensive line and the quarterback had to get rid of the ball or the quarterback made a bad decision, which was closely intercepted. You're, just, you're not discussing that. So until that changes, 
once again, you're putting a lot of more pressure on the back end of your defense. And you can't expect these young guys to be extremely opportunistic because, once again, it goes also back to Wink Martinsdale's defense, by definition, has not been an opportunistic unit. Even going back yep. to his Baltimore mm-hmm. days. Last season, they had six interceptions, which was tied for the lowest mark with the Raiders. So even if you feel great about the guys on the back end, it would be a bit hyperbole, a bit exaggeration to say, well, this is going to be the year where they're going to get 15 interceptions. That's just not who this defensive scheme is and not what this defensive scheme calls for. It calls for the guys up front to win their battles and be disruptive. And that's where it has to change. And with respect to Seattle, you know, Seattle's cut from a different cloth than San Francisco. They have two running backs who are very unique in terms of one guy's a power guy in Kenneth Walker, another guy is shifty in Charbonnet, and then they have three really good wide receivers, and Geno does not shy away from airing it out. So when it comes to the Seahawks, you can't really say, well, we're going to emphasize all of our resources on the run. No, because then when there's third and longs, Geno's going to look to air it out. And the problem also, by the way, with the third and longs is, and this just goes to show you the Giants right now, for the lack of a better phrase, maybe it's a bit of an identity crisis. You know, they're looking for what can they hang their hat on? What can they lean on? When you got the Niners in the third and longs and you had them exactly where you wanted, then the missed tackling came into play. So they actually were running the football or they were dumping it off for short yarded situations. And then the slipperiness, the elusiveness of those Niners offensive playmakers did not allow you to get them down and make a play because it was bumper cars. That's the best way to put it more often than not. And this is... On Monday night is when it has to change, Lance. The Seahawks ended their game yesterday in their victory with one healthy starting offensive lineman from their projected five to start the year. Yeah, they've been banged up. And the secondary, too, is in worse shape. Evan Brown, their center, was the only guy left standing. Damian Lewis, who was also healthy, he got hurt during the game. We'll see what his status is maybe from the night. Charles Cross is out with a toe injury. We'll see if he's going to be ready. Doesn't sound that way, though we're getting close. Abraham Lucas is starting right tackles on injured reserve, so he's not going to play in the game. And then Phil Haynes, their right guard, was out in the game too. So they, you don't know about the Giants injuries on their offensive line. It's nothing compared to Seattle. Seattle's got four-fifths of their line that might not play in this game on Monday night. So if the front is going to make a statement, It's got to start on Monday night because this is going to be the opportunity. It's also another reason what you just spelled out, why you can't constantly use injuries as a reason as to why a team doesn't perform. Because, for example, the Dallas offensive line, too, was undermanned. And I thought they actually ran the football effectively yesterday. They couldn't pass protect very well. Pass protect, Mm -hmm. but but still, they were at least to a point where they were functioning. No, that's true. There's a difference between having an offense that at least functions with some backups versus an offense that just can't do anything. And for the fans that don't know, they were missing left tackle Tyron Smith, right guard Zach Martin, and their center Tyler Biotis. Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about they had three new guys in the mix. Mm -hmm. Tyler Smith, by the way, just coming back when he's been hurt. So there was very little chemistry that you could turn to, at least in game action, and they were able to move the football up and down the field because they got into the red zone multiple times, just couldn't finish. And that was a huge difference maker in the game yesterday. So that's why Brian Dable will be the first one to tell you he's not going to continue to point to injuries every time the Giants have some setbacks in that department because you look around the league and you see other teams are in similar circumstances. Look, the Giants' best players have to play better. You know, from from offense to defense— their best players have not made enough big-time plays that you would expect from the, their— Splash plays, yeah. Real, they, are, they are good players. They're good players, but we just haven't seen the plays yet that can turn games. You know what I mean? And that's what they need to start getting here. And we're talking about on offense and defense. Oh, both we're sides, talking about, John. We're yeah. not just limiting it to one facet. However, there is a limitation to what you can do on offense— if the protection up front is not great. Right. So I will at least turn to that. On defense, you can't really tell me missing one guy in particular— has ultimately impacted that entire facet. It shouldn't, at least. No, yeah. I, I mean, I will refuse to make the argument that Aziz Ojolari's absence is why the Giants have not manufactured a great pass rush. I'm sorry. Because Ojolari was out for the bulk of last season, too. You know, we've been through this storyline. You have all the guys up front. You have your secondary pretty much in decent shape. So you can't tell me an injury on the defensive side of the ball is the reason why the Giants are having struggles. I just don't think there's enough that adds up.
Join us on Sunday, October 8th at HK Kitchen and Draft House in the Bronx to watch the Giants take on the Miami Dolphins. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash Bar Network to learn more. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's get to the calls and lead off with Donnie in Queens. Donnie, what's going on? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hello. You kind of brought up my topic. Uh, I, I watched the Seattle game yesterday for two reasons. Number one, I took them in my survivor pool. Uh, <laughs> I successfully avoided all the landmines that were out there yesterday. Yeah, that was a bold pick, Donnie, because there were a lot of big favorite spread games this week. I'm surprised you went with Seattle. That was a good yeah, pick. Yeah, you know what? I'd kind of taken a, a lot of favorites early, so I wanted to kind of move off of that. But, you know, and then also because the Giants were playing then. And, and like you guys just mentioned, and I called about this last week. You know, I, I just don't understand why, you know, Seattle can have four linemen out and function as an offense. And the Giants, if any, and, and Lance, to Lance, to your credit, like this, people are making an excuse and it shouldn't be. If the Giants have a player out, it shouldn't look as bad as it does, where they're just completely not functioning. And, and I certainly understand the difference in opponents between Seattle and and, Car- and, and um, Carolina, so I, I, I get that. Yeah, but Donnie, uh, to your point, with even with those injuries and Thomas and Bredesen, I mean Bredesen got her early in that game, so he was out the whole second half. The offensive line did function and looked good against the Cardinals on Thursday night. Like they were fine. Right. Yeah, right. And then in the next Sunday, game, right. it's just like it, it just completely falls apart. And I, I got to be honest, you know, watching that game, I don't, I don't think the Giants are going to be able to win this game on Monday night. I don't, I don't see where the defense is going to make enough strides here to keep them, you know, under 27, 30 points. And I don't, I don't think our offense is going to get to that level either. And let's be honest, when you look at the schedule here, if they lose this game, the wheels can really start falling off this thing quickly. And, you know, even Joe Shane, you know, this guy's acquisitions are starting to pile up and the early results are bad. There's there's no difference-making player presenting themselves that he's brought in here. So I'm very, very concerned about the, the direction of the franchise here. I think maybe we all took the cheese off last year. Uh, you know, you guys were warning that there might be a big uh, step back based on the schedule, and that looks like it's coming to fruition here. So this, this is a, a big game Monday night. If they lose, forget about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be wrong, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And, I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thanks, Thanks Don. Appreciate the call. Look, first of all, I would not take long-term direction of the franchise <laughs> takes off of losses to Dallas and San Francisco, two of the most talented teams in football. I would not go there. Um, I think I, I get the frustration, and I understand why there would be some, you know, some concern generally about the season. But let's take direction of the franchise and, and slide that to the side for now. We're way too early to have those conversations, okay? Is this game really important in terms of getting this season on the right track? Yeah, I mean it is. Is it a you know is it a must win? No, because you can go in there if you win at Miami or at Buffalo, and you know you're still two and four through six. You're okay. You can you can make the playoffs off two and four. You can. So I'm not going to say it's a must win. The Cardinals game was really important. <laughs> that game was really important, more important than this game even. But look, yeah, Seattle's important. It's. You got two tough road games after that at Miami and at Buffalo. I mean, Miami's offense is okay. They only put up 700 yeah. yards and 70 points. And by the way, made it look relatively easy along the way, which was the scariest part watching that game against Denver. Denver's defense is not awful, by the way. No, it's Denver's defense awful. was solid last season. I mean, they were missing a few guys up front, like Frank Clark. But my goodness, I mean, this Denver defense is taking a huge step back this yeah, season. Because last week they were bad against Washington. Washington, yeah. Commanders. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, but... This week's important, Lance. It's going to be important, and I think he hit it. You watch Seattle, and I don't want to get too far into the opponent yet because we got a long week to go here before we get to the Seattle game. Gino will throw the ball down the field, oh, yeah. and they have explosive players from Kenneth Walker to DK Metcalf. So and if, Smith and Jigbo, who they just added. Tyler yeah. Lockett, who's been a veteran along for a long time, and even yeah. Zach Charbonnet, they're running back there draft in the second round, looks good as a power back. If you miss tackles against this team, they got guys that will get out the gate, and they're out. They're gone. Touchdowns. So you better get your, you know what, together on defense here with some of the mistakes they've been making the first three weeks. Well, but another key point, just to piggyback off the last caller, is we can't dismiss 
the offensive output right now because, I mean, Seattle has scored, actually, to be exact, what, I think they had 37 in each of the last two games, right? Because no, Seattle scores They points, put up dude. 37 against the Lions. Yeah, yeah, and they scored 37 again against the Panthers. I know the Rams game wasn't pretty, but Seattle, they can score with the best of them. And Detroit's defense regrouped, looked much better yesterday against Atlanta than they did against Seattle. And Carolina's defense, I think, you know, has some nice guys up front, mixed results overall over the season. They did have a low-scoring affair with the Saints the previous Monday night. But the bottom line is, this offense also, even if the defense improves, John, we're talking about an offense that's averaging 14 points per game. And Seattle's defense is not great, so you should be able to put some points up on them. You should. Well, I guess I would say get back to me. Let me see what the Seattle secondary looks like for this Monday night game because they were without Jamal Adams, Kobe they were without Bryant, Tariq right? Woolen, <laughs> and Bryant. Yeah. So they were out three of their top four guys. I'd like to see the injury status because some of them I think may have a chance to yeah. come back Monday. So that could change the outlook of what this Seattle defense looks like. But and they also don't have a dominant pass rusher in their front. No, and that's either. fair. And that guy's not going to come back. That won't be a savior yeah. regardless of the injury. So yeah, it's not San Francisco. It's not Dallas in terms of their defensive yep. fronts. But I would argue I think they have really good cover guys and guys that can make plays on the ball. If they're healthy, yeah. Yes, I mean, Woolen, he led the NFL in interceptions last season Devin with Witherspoon played his first game. Correct, yes, and well. they have he Julian Love, yep. who was with the Giants, so, you know, they have some depth there. Quandre Diggs is a solid safety. Diggs too. was the only healthy guy that actually yep. played yesterday. So if he gets two or three of those guys back, it does change the dynamics of that Seahawks defense. But, yes, on paper— They are saying, by the way, that Jamal Adams should be back this week. I, well, that's why I'm right. saying mm-hmm. wait and see who's going to be available because right now it's easy to say, oh, these three guys didn't play— Things change, just like the status of Giants guys is going to change, right? right? Coming up on Monday, they may have a chance to get a few guys back. So it's still early, considering we do have a full week until the next football game. Chen Nwosu was their best pass rusher from last what year. What a really good season last and then year. Came up from the Chargers. Boy Mafia's heading into his second year. He had a very quiet rookie year. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to get and that. And Jaron Reed well. can make pressure from yeah. the interior. Let's not forget about him. He's, yeah. He was always known as more of a run stuffer, but he's actually... No, now he, he had a season with a double-digit sack total. Yeah, Absolutely. in between the suspensions, of No, course. 100%. Yeah. 201-939-4513. Go subscribe to the John Siddle Podcast, folks. Is Gary Myers up yet, Pearson? Is that up yet, do we know? It should be. So we have a new episode today. You can go back. You have your rapid reaction from last week. Madeline, and that was Tumor, ended up being, yep, Madeline and Tumor did a reaction to the Niner game on Thursday night. And then uh, today, Monday, we posted uh, Paul Dottino and Gary Myers talking about uh, his new book, Once a Giant. So that is up there right now on the Giants Huddle Podcast. A little historical look there. And kind of a weird Monday where you don't have a game to react to. We did a little bit of a historical thing. Then we got some interviews coming later in the week talking about Seattle. Uh, tomorrow I'll be with Sean O'Hara. And then our normal game preview coming your way on Friday. So make sure you go check it out. The Giants Huddle Podcast on Giants.com. The Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platform. Go subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star positive review, whether it's for Giants Huddle, Big Blue Kickoff Live, or the Giants Hangout which you can go check out, too. That's our brand-new podcast. Check it out. Uh, the most recent episode, Lance, Russ, and Howard break down everything Giants and 49ers from last Friday. Then we have a new episode coming up on this Thursday. So make sure you go check that out. Let's go to Hugo in New Jersey. He's up next. Hey, Hugo. Hey, good afternoon, guys. What's up? Uh, you've actually hit a lot of uh, what I wanted to talk about. Um, I-, I think it's completely unacceptable the way the offensive line is performing. Um and being completely non-functional in a game or not giving the offense an opportunity to function. Now, Hugo, remember, and, and I should have brought this up with, with Donnie again, and I know you fans are tired of hearing about this because I say it all the time and I'm a broken record. Opponents do matter. Like, this is not oh. just this is not just the Giants that are getting abused by the Niners and the Cowboys front. They do that regularly to everybody. Okay, but John, I, I was going to make this this is exactly the point I was going to make. Okay, go ahead. Everyone thinks Philly's front is great, right? In the opening game, I believe the Patriots had two rookie guards, and they were functional. Minnesota played with a backup left tackle and a backup center, and they were able to score points. Arizona's offensive line has three journeymen in the middle, and they were functional against Dallas. So I'm pinpointing teams going against top competition with injured offensive lines or not a lot of great resources on the offensive line and at least being functional. It's, it's, it's just preposterous that the Giants can function in offense when other teams can. Well, and that's why we're not pointing to injuries and, and, left and right, to your point, Hugo. We're and, explaining and, that. And, yeah. and, and, and you know what surprised me about Thursday night? Putting Shane Lemieux in at left guard it's like, 
okay, injuries are forcing you into the musical chairs thing, right? But Glowinski, and you know I'm not a big fan of Glowinski, but he functioned well at left guard, or at least adequately, and finished the game at Arizona. Why make another change? I think the big challenge for this staff, pick your best five. I'm assuming the guys come back from injury, right, Thomas and, and Bredesen. Put them in there and let them gel. Let's stop the nonsense of, oh, we practice people all over the place, so, yeah, they can play. No, they really can't because practice is not a game. So well, you don't really know that they can. Well, Hugo, I'll say this. They... I mean, I think Lemieux actually probably got more snaps at left guard than Glowinski did over the course of the summer. So that might have been part of the thinking there is that he actually has more left guard experience than Kowinski does. I would say even okay, if so, you take it over the course of their careers yeah. too, right? Okay, so, I mean, going so, back to college. So yeah. why did yeah. he go then why did he go into the Arizona game? Uh, to get he, snapped. Was he active in the Arizona game? He might not have been active that game. I would have to check that. He might have been on the pregame inactive list. I will check that yeah, for you. I'm not positive up. about no, that. No, he must know. he must have been active. He must have been active because you activate eight offensive linemen and because of the injuries he had to be active. I saw him on the bench and pads. So he, he was active. Look, my point is, take your five best guys, and look, you can't have three essential, essentially rookies in the middle of the line, <laughs> right? So I think Bredesen has to be part of the mix, and probably Azudu. I think that's really where the Giants wanted to go in the preseason anyhow, and it's quite clear that Glowinski... I mean, if, if I... Look, Kilo, right if everyone's healthy, I think the line left to right would be Thomas, Azudu, Schmitz... Bredesen, Neal, right? Because yeah. we haven't seen a Zudu much at right guard, so I'm thinking they would want to keep him right. on the left, left side, side and yeah, they and would then slide Bredesen, Bredesen back. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. If that could again, be feasible, if everyone's healthy, Hugo, that would be my opinion as to what this would and, look and, like. And you know what I and you know what I like about that configuration. And I've said it before: the two guys on the left are athletic; they have good feet. I would imagine that at some point that would assure better pass protection from the blind side. And then, you know, you slide protection, put a tight end on the right, help Neil out. That's probably going to give us our best our best solution going right. forward. Now, now on defense, I think you guys hit it. I think a bunch of guys just aren't playing up to their contract, reputation, and draft status. That's what it comes down to. And, by the way, when it comes to tackling, I, I don't know how you can prove tackling in season because you're not going to be tackling in practice. Uh, I once heard 1982 players strike. Ronnie Lott coming off the field, being interviewed before the players went back to, to playing games. Someone asked him, are you going to get ready? Are you going to be ready to tackle and hit uh, on Sunday with such short practice? And, and his answer was, to hit people? I don't need a practice to hit people. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's about heart and want to, <laughs> is what he said. Sure, so desire. I think, yeah. I, think he, I, think, I think people just need to start flying to the ball, not hesitate, and come downhill. Got to play with your hair on fire. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah, I mean, okay. effort. Thank you, Hugo. Appreciate it. So the call. different defense and basketball is the same thing. I mean, you have to want to play defense. You have to want to hustle. So I think that's a fair parallel. There is an art to it, but you have to start with that. Yeah, you have to. Now, you have to start with that. That doesn't mean yeah. that I'm saying that these guys are not going out there and playing hard. I don't see evidence of that. Neither I mean, sometimes I. it's a matter of you're just not in the ideal position to wrap the guy up and he slithers out of your grasp and the rest is history. But the problem is, John, it's one thing for one or two guys to have that issue. When 11 guys have that issue, you're not going to make up for that. And you're not going to bring anybody off the injury report or whatever it may be who's going to cover up some of those other well, problems. Well, let me give you an example. Like, Micah McFadden was all over the field on Thursday night. He was very active. Like, he was yeah. in position a lot. And he actually did make a lot of plays over the course of the game. But there were too yeah. many times where he was in position and he couldn't get the guy down. And he said that today when he spoke to the media today. And then you're relying on everybody else to clean that up. Right. And if they can't clean it up, that's how a five-yard gain turns into a ten-yard gain. I mean, that's been the biggest issue. They've been in position to bring these guys down. You go back, John, you watch the Niners game. You know, there was a play where Debo Samuel had three guys in his vicinity and he bounces off three Giants and then actually gets the first down as yeah. a result of bouncing off of them. I mean, I know we're chuckling a little. I'm not trying to make light of this, but those are the types of plays we're talking about. We're not talking about guys who are running wide open. Yeah. And you're chasing them, and well, you're dude, staring at them from behind. How, how, about the, how about the short pass to George Kittle? That could have went for a four-yard yeah, game. Stiff and arm, and he gets yeah, exactly. David McKinney, and he yeah. ends up up. Now, George Kittle is a freak show. He's a sure. great player. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And you're not going to play George Kittles every week. But it's little plays like that that if you want to get guys off the field, you have to be able to 
make those plays. And it's 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 saying it's saying extra effort, not in terms of trying, but extra effort in terms of just executing at a higher level to make some of those plays. And that's what we need to start seeing here. 201-939-4513. We're on our walk with Giants Legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K racing kids run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt. And after the race, stay for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants Legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. Let's go back to the phones and say what's up to Ron in New Jersey. Ron, what's up? Hey, guys. Well, you're touching on the topic I wanted to talk about. First of all, quick aside, I'm not throwing in the towel on the season yet. Uh, I'm, well, I'm I hope not. Early, nor should you. Early, three <laughs> games yeah. in, Ron. Come on. But it's game four, you know. So we've got plenty to do. But in one word, it is tackling was the problem. And let me give you a subtext observation and then a question for you. Sure. We, we don't – you talk about the book um, that just came out, which I'm going to pick up, about the 80-16. Yep. You need – we were – I know it's LT and call banks, but we were a punishing defense. I don't see that now. I don't see the gang tackling. And downfield – you can tell me I'm crazy here, but it would seem a few times the players were expecting the guy next to him to make the tackle. It wasn't all in. I can't. I can't speak to that one, Ron. But you're right. There have been a lot of solo tackles, and I think, at least against San Francisco specifically, one of the reasons you had a lot of solo tackles was that the blitz rate was so high. And if you're sending all those extra bodies after the quarterback, guess what? You're going to wind up with one-on-one situations on the perimeter, and that's how you wind up with a lot of solo tackle opportunities. Yeah, you saw Purdy would dump it off into the flat, and now McCaffrey has some open space. Oh, this is one-on-one. This is he's going to beat the linebacker. He's going to beat the safety under those circumstances. It, it's a fair observation, and, and I'm just going to ask the question, which we've all been talking about for years, but I really say to myself, what's the point of preseason? Because part of as I'm watching – being frustrated, it doesn't seem like the players are in sync like they should be. And Ron, for me, I'm, I'm happy to answer yeah. your question. This is how I view preseason, and this is why I, I don't get all bent out of shape like, like Paul does with the games and stuff like that. I don't judge, generally speaking, team performance in the preseason. Now, there are some times when you get in a scrimmage and your starters against another team's starters and you just get absolutely blown out or dominated or you dominate them. And then, you know, maybe that gives you a hint as, as, as to what's to come. But for me, I use preseason to evaluate individual players. That's why whenever I'm at practice and they do one-on-one offensive line, defensive line, pass rush drills, that's what I watch. If they do one-on-one wide receiver DB, DB drills, that's what I watch. Because then you can really see how individual players are developing in their performance. But I think taking team performance, Lance, out of preseason games... It's, means nothing. It's, it's worthless. No, it literally I, is no, worthless. But, I, but yeah. that's because of who we play, and I appreciate what you're saying. And believe me, I've learned a lot about that from listening to you guys, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. But it seems you, you, you have to know what your teammates are thinking, right? You have to know X is going to go X left and I'm going to go right. And I know that only comes with time, but it just seems to me – well, but they do that in practice, though, Ron. Yeah, Ron, I, yeah. I, I do think – I'm with Lance. I think that's something you and, – and appreciate the call. Thank you very much. I do think that's something you can learn and figure out in practice. Yeah, you know, Daniel Jones spending time with wide receivers after practice, that's how you get the timing right. Chemistry. In terms of – but the, also the depth of the route, where you expect yeah. him to be when you have to release the football. Or the safety, you know, understanding how a quarter yeah. plays a specific route. Right? I don't think you need a preseason game to get that, that down. But here's a perfect example. We witnessed it. Remember, everybody looked at that first drive against Carolina, and people were saying the Giants are going to score 45 points a game. Well, here's a perfect example, Lance. Week one, you know who played less of their players in preseason than the Giants did? The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. They played no one in the preseason. Exactly. Not a single solitary snap. All right? They were ready to go just fine. Yeah, you didn't see missed tackles. <laughs> you didn't point to rust, and the weather was bad. You know, did they not have enough time with the wet ball drills and this and that? That's another reason why we can't operate with the Giants, you know, being on an island. Because if you see other teams, like we said, overcome offensive line issues as well as hey. not having much time in the preseason. Other side of the, of the coin. All I heard all preseason was this. 
the Steelers look awesome. With Kenny Pickett, yeah. practices there, guys, so hard. They tackle. They play more preseason snaps than anyone. This team is ready to go. They take preseason seriously. They're going to go out there, and they're (laughs) going to be great early in the year, and they're going to be sharp. And what happened in week one against San Francisco? It's like those guys had never played a snap together in their whole damn lives. Well, and then (laughs) also Kansas City. Andy Reid plays his guys, and they didn't look great in the opener against the Lions, too. And they didn't even look good against the Jaguars, even though they won. Of course, against the Bears, it was a little bit of a different story. But again, Bears' opponents matter. Yes, sure, of course. But (laughs) the bottom line is there's mixed results across the league. Some teams you point to, they don't get enough work in, and others don't get enough work in but look like a well-oiled machine. So I don't really put a lot of stock and substance into that. I would agree with you. I think preseason is about the individual. It's for the coaches to determine how they want to shake out the backhand of the roster and who deserves a roster spot, who maybe belongs on the practice squad. Anything beyond that, I would not read much of anything into it because it's not apples against apples for the majority of the preseason. You know, right. you play your starters, the opposing team doesn't. You know, they play their starters, you don't play your starters. So you don't really have a lot of even matchups to go by mm-hmm. to say, hey, I know this team will operate that way when they go up against a similar defense. Let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. He's up next. Hello, Len. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, um, John. Um, it took you longer to say Len from Columbia, Maryland, than it did for Bosa to get to Andrew Jones the other night. Andrew Jones. I mean, Andrew Jones. Yeah. I, I mean, Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan Jones. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Andrew, uh, with the, Nick, Andrew with the funny spelling on his first name. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're look, <laughs> uh, Nick Bosa, and you know who's the other thing, Len? And I didn't bring this up earlier, which which kind of when I rewatched the game, I got a little more depressed about it. The Giants yeah. game plan extra help to block. They were keeping two tight ends in. They were keeping a running back in. It's not like they were leaving this offensive line without any help. Like, Mike Kafka was leaving six and seven guys in the block, and it still wasn't working. John, you got to keep the right two tight ends in. We don't have the right two, two tight ends on the roster. We're down to Waller and, ben, and, and Bellinger and Cager, two of the three who can't block particularly when they're in line. Yeah, but Len, but, but Len if, if you're just helping an offensive lineman, just having your body there to make the defender navigate around you, that's enough to slow down the rush. You know, it, It's not like he's Howard Cross going one-on-one with Bruce Smith and Reggie White. He's just getting in the way to slow down the initial rush to give the offensive tackle yeah. a chance to get in position. And you could also do that before you run your route. We see a lot of tight ends. They push the edge rusher, yeah, and then they start running yeah. their route. So, I mean, that could be a way to at least slow down the pass pass rusher to buy your quarterback yeah, an additional Lance, second. To, to, to Lance's point, you're not trying to the, the, the extra tight end's not yeah. trying to stop the pass not rusher. At all. He's just trying to slow it down to give the offensive lineman a better chance yeah. when he gets there. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Well, let me, no, well, let's stay on subject for a second. Sure. You're not going to slow it down with Waller in tight. No, you can't. That's, that's not why we signed him. That's not why he thinks he's here. That's not what he does best. And I think in his belly, it's not what he wants to do. And that, now we're back to the effort part. Not consciously, not consciously. He's not being lazy. Look, we got hurt at tight end. That's the point I'm trying to make, okay? The kid Sweeney got hurt, sick, whatever it is. I hope he's okay. All right? He was, he was going to be the blocking tight end. And two days later, Myrick, uh, somebody steps on his hand. His hand is broken. Uh, maybe our second best blocking tight end now you're back to the to the three guys in one week with it if it's so important to have a blocking tight end to have a tight end on the field we didn't even dress cager in week two yeah but Len, i i think the point i'm trying to make is that when i rewatched that tape the reason they had struggle yeah. pass blocking was not because of the tight end yeah <laughs> i mean was there was not, yeah. and, and you also aren't taking waller off the field to put tommy sweeney on the field anyway. yeah i mean He's the percentage of, of snaps that myrick and yeah. sweeney are going to take away from those other guys is minute len in the big picture of things i watched dalton kincaid okay i was watching to the Bills Raiders game a week ago. Dalton Kincaid, who is a receiving tight end, he's not a blocker. He ran a route. Before he ran the route, he pushed and shoved Max Crosby to buy Josh Allen more time. And then Allen threw the ball to Dalton Kincaid to get a quick pass. Okay. So those are the things we're talking about. With Waller, correct. We're not yeah. asking okay. Darren Waller to be another left tackle. We're asking him, you disrupt the pass rusher and then you go about your business in running the route. He's more than capable of doing that. Yeah. That's not asking for much. Yeah, okay, Gu- guys, I, 
I want to move on. Will you allow, will you allow me the last sentence? Sure. Len, you go were ahead. the one that wanted to discuss this topic, Len. Because I do want to move on. Okay, go ahead. That's not why we dress Waller on Sunday. It's not why we dress him. All right, what's your next point? Okay. Um, we've been playing this game in America for what, 140 years? I, I don't know. I, I didn't look it up. You know, when did the first college game played? How long ago was that? But, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's blocking and it's tackling. Yeah. Yeah. When we were growing up, guys, and went down to the park on Saturday morning with eight, nine, ten of our friends to play some tackle football, what was it all about? It was about getting a guy on the ground. And blocking somebody, getting somebody's way, so they can't get the guy—the guy who's got the ball on the ground. What is from from most positions, effort and technique? Which one's more important, guys? I mean, I—I I I, I I don't mean, know the answer. I'm asking you. I—I I mean, I—I I th- I think they're both equally yeah. important in terms okay. of tackling. You need a combination. All right, all right, all right. All right. That's good. If you had, if if Tomon Fox had played the other night and Thibodeau didn't, would we have noticed? Would we have no other than hey, where's number five? I mean, in terms of productivity, do you think there was any difference? Well, then look, I, I said it earlier in the show, and I was thinking about you when I said it. The Giants. I know, I know, and I and, have to make and, more plays. <laughs> And you know, and I <laughs> and I yelled out in my living room. We need That's stars. That's exactly right, John. If your best players play their best, you got a shot. Right. If your number one draft picks play like number one draft picks, you got a shot. And and that's not happening. I mean, w- 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 I mean, we got a lot of jogging to the you know jogging to the receiver. A lot of guys hanging on, yelling help, and the help isn't close by. I mean, the blocking is just, I mean, I, the offensive line play is just, I mean, it's awful. It's awful. I, I mean, we, we got, got, we got, I'm not going to mention now, I don't like to do that, but we, we got some guys on this roster on that offensive line can't play in the NFL. Can't play. And we're playing them. I thought Dexter and Big Davidson the other night were pounding that center to the point where you got frustrated and had the dirty play. And on, by the way, DJ, and I will give credit because I did not, we did not talk about this yet. DJ Davidson, before he got hurt, was actually playing a pretty darn yeah, good he game. He got a hand he up a, oh, deflected nice a pass. Yeah, sure. Look, yeah. look, the 49ers are getting away with it with Brendel at center. They're lucky because they got two pretty good guards. What was supposed to happen with, with Brendel the other night was happening. Dexter was pounding him. They took Dexter over to the field, and Davidson was pounding him to the point where the guy made a dirty play. It was the only thing he could, the only way he could retaliate. He couldn't block him. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if he was like falling down and grabbed onto Davidson. It was hard for me to tell on the all twenty-two what exactly well, he, happened on yeah, that he, play. Yeah, he 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 pulled him down and then fell on his arm. Okay. And it looked like he fell on purpose, on the arm, on purpose. Um, look, I, I, we, we just, you know, as a starting point for how to make this a little better, it, it revolves around blocking and tackling, effort and technique. Uh, you know, I, if they watch the game films with Seattle, it's going to be a clinic. You can see how to tackle. Just watch Seattle. Nobody does it better. Classic. Hey, one, one, one thing about Pete Carroll coach teams, they will know how to tackle on defense. Oh, that is, that, that is for sure. You can, you can, I don't care how much you know about football. You can watch the Seattle Seahawks play and tackle, and you can write a book <laughs> and probably sell it. It's, oh. it's classic. So, we're, you know, we're going to see this. Here, here's something that bothers me. I, yeah, I know final point, Lance. Final okay, point. final thing. And I hope you can look for this if, if you can remember it on Sunday. Yeah. On kickoffs, which are meaningless these days, obviously. I, I, you notice how a lot of teams run through the end zone? I mean, six, seven guys – Power down the field, play is over, but they still wind up in the end zone. Have you noticed? Do you, yep. Have you guys picked that up? Yep, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have we seen the Giants do that once? They want to get off the field as quickly as possible. I have noticed that I've, the Giants generally do not run through the end zone. They do not run through the you're, end zone. You're, you're, you're correct about that one, and I don't have a reason. Oh, for I don't have an answer either. Yeah. I'm just saying the optic is terrible. It, it doesn't look good as applied to a one or two record. Here's the good news. I'll be quick, I promise. Mm-hmm. After tonight, there's only going to be one undefeated team in the league. 
and we're only three weeks in. Ah, uh, no, there might be no, no, two, right? Two. It'll be Philadelphia, Dolphins, three. So it'll be three total. How many? How many winless teams have we got? Three or four? Oh, well, we got the Vikings, Bears, Bengals, Broncos. Got four. Yeah. The the game doesn't have to be good. The game just just has to be close. People will watch and establish some parity in the league. So we're in a good position. I'm optimistic. I think we're going to beat the Seahawks. Hey, thanks for keeping me on so long. I uh, appreciate thank you, it, guys. Appreciate the call. And lots of thing about the NFL this year. There aren't that many, like, really, really bad teams, like, that are just terrible. And I don't think... You know, at least right now, I think there's I think there's a lot of parity in the league this year, Lance. Well, there usually is always. Yeah, I mean, I that's the nature of the NFL. I don't, so I don't really than, think there's anything unique about this I think season. it's a little more so than usual. Like, I don't think teams have necessarily run away from their competition. Like, like the Chiefs, they've won games, but until this Bears game, they hadn't been overly impressive, right? Dallas had been really impressive, and then they had their, their bad game yesterday against Arizona where they didn't play well, especially defensively against the run. Yep. Uh, the Eagles... You know, they, I don't think they've hit their stride. No, yet I don't this think they have played their best football. So yeah. you know, besides the Dolphins, who just put up a seventy spot and seven hundred yards on someone, they probably look better than any other team. The Bills have a loss this year, right? They had that they bad game the against yeah. the Jets. The Bengals, they have not been there. The Ravens just lost. Like the only team that really has looked dominant has been Miami. No one else has really kind of come out of the gates flying. It's just been one of those years. Yeah, and the bottom line is you also don't want to all of a sudden come out flying at the beginning of the year because you'd rather be playing your best football later on in the season. That's more of a reason why I don't know if there's anything to read into the fact that there's a low volume of undefeated teams and there's four winless teams. I mean, at this point, I think the numbers will balance out when it's all said and done. And I think most of the divisions that that. we anticipated were going to be relatively tough have pretty much showed their true, true colors at this point. You know, I mean, I mean, all of us thought the Colts would be leading the AFC South. The two, yeah, but I mean, they're only a game ahead of <laughs> no, you know, know the rest still. of the teams in that division. No, but you know, the AFC North has been pretty tough. You know, Cleveland is two and one, and they've been a tough out for a variety of teams. Mm-hmm. Their defense, Jim yeah, Schwartz, exactly. By the way, that defense yeah. statistically has been almost one of the best defenses of all time through the first three weeks. They've been unbelievable. Sure. Good. Well, then that's what happens when you guys up front do damage. You know, Miles Garrett, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Zadarius Smith. They brought over two guys from the Vikings. That's why the Vikings don't have much help up front because they took their entire defensive line. But yeah, that Cleveland front, they were unable to run the ball yesterday with Derrick Henry, Tennessee. So when you could slow down him, you're doing something yeah, right in Ryan the trenches. Ryan Tannehill barely 100 yards passing yeah. in that game. Too. I mean, the team barely had 100 yards yeah, I know. overall. Really unbelievable job yeah. by that third up there in Cleveland. And uh, given that Nick Chubb injury, they're going to need their defense to to step up because Deshaun Watson still doesn't seem quite like himself yet. He hasn't. Yeah, mixed results. Yet. We'll see. Haven't had the wowmy performance. All right, let's go to Jamal in Dallas. He's up next. Hey, Jamal, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? We're good, man. All right. All right. So um, I want to comment on what I think Lynn asked a question regarding what is more important, uh, technique or effort when it comes to tackling. I'm going to go ahead and say while technique is important, but you can't teach effort, but you can teach technique. No, that's fair, and too. That's I, fair. You know, um, a lot of the guys from the defensive side, you know, one thing when I played, coaches used to scream and yell. You hope, There's two things. You swarm to the ball, right? We don't do that enough. And when somebody has a person, we should be holding on for dear life, and the cavalry should be coming, you know, and make a hitful, a hitful impact. And we're not hitting like that. We're not, be, we're not being violent when we hit. I'm watching some of these games this past Sunday and last night. And some of these guys are just violent. You know, football is supposed to be violent. I feel like we have a lot of finesse players on our defense. They're just going to make a tackle and maybe pad you up. But it's not its not that tenacity, that viciousness, where I'm going to try to get you on the ground as fast and as hard as possible. Well, but you got to be yeah. careful with that, Jamal, because if it starts leading to penalties, it defeats the purpose of what you're saying. So, you know, that's where you got to be yeah. cautious in terms of what you're emphasizing to your players because you could see that aggressiveness, and if the official is going to start throwing a flag, then you're pushing yourself backwards. You're not helping your cause with respect to that. Well, well, well but it's aggressiveness within the game. I'm not talking about after the, after the play is over, out of bounds, but if that running back is running, I mean, hell, Debo broke. Eight tackles for people. Somebody should be holding on for dear life for them and let somebody clean them up. I'm not trying to encourage penalties or No, of course. No, we got you. We got I you. still feel like the physicality is not there with our team. I feel like it's been like that for a number of years, which became the Giants defense for a while. So I kinda I'm kinda missing that. Um 
my next point, I know y'all watched the All-22, you know, as a fan. Um, you know, we want to get to see a receiver and quarterback and mid to the line when the ball is hiked and stuff like that. But I want to know from this past game against the 49ers, like, how are we not getting Jalen Hyatt the ball? I mean, you can't tell me he's being bracketed with a safety every play. No, though, Jamal, he was open. No, I, I can Look tell at you. the offensive I line. <laughs> he, I, 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 I watched all 16 of his snaps and all 14 of his receiving snaps. He, was, he had a safety over the top on a good portion of them because San Fran knows he's fast. But there were probably, depending on what you consider open, three to four plays, maybe five, that if Daniel Jones could have sat in the pocket and chucked it deep down the field, then he would have done it. He probably would have made a play on at least two or three of them. But every time he was open deep, I'm telling you, then Jones was looking for him. Every time he was open down the field, Jones had to get flushed out of the pocket. Then once he's on the move, it's very difficult to make those big throws down the field if you're moving. Okay. Well, I wanted to make sure that. I wanted to make sure it wasn't. Jones being gun side or, no. you know, a lot of a lot of complaints is that he doesn't throw the ball. But I get it, he was getting pressured. I mean, we all saw that. But, hey, sometimes I mean, I'm watching games all weekend, one, two steps, balls again out. One, two, three, let's get it out there. I mean, I remember with OBJ, we just throw a quick slant. Can we not do that with Wyatt? Yeah, but, I mean, you're also you're talking about a shorter pass, though, keep in mind, Jamal. You know, a slant, you don't need time for the no, guy to run his route, though. There's a distinct difference right. between those two choices. Right. And, I mean, when you say you're watching the rest of the NFL, when those guys are getting rid of the football, how far deep down the field are they throwing the ball to? Yeah, Jamal, I would say this, Jamal. One of the, the, most of his routes and patterns were of the downfield variety. He didn't run a bunch of those, like, short slant type of stuff in the game. But what I'm saying is with his speed, I mean, we don't. First of all, none of our receivers get any yak. I mean, I don't know what it is. We get no yak yards when we catch the ball. It's catch and fall. I don't know if it's ball placement or just you know whatever it is. But every time we catch it, we just go to the ground, right? Every time I see another team against us, they catch it and they're moving, right? Maybe we don't have those type of receivers. But I guess I'm trying to think. Well, Hyatt, hey, we can't get him up deep. Let's get a let's get a slant going. At least let him no, get. I hear you. Yeah, he's moving. You know, let him use his speed. I mean, you can't tell me out of five DBs out there that we can't. That's the other thing. Like, how are we not picking on the fourth or fifth DB playing out there? Like, I'm watching the, uh, what was it, the Cowboys in Arizona game. One thing the commentators kept saying, yep, they're going to keep picking on that third, that third or fourth DB, which you should. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it until they prove something different. You know, it's just frustrating, you know, when you know you have these weapons and they're not, I get it, it's the line. But that's the other thing. Our line got to get. There's three weeks in a row where we've been playing a different, a different group of linemen. Like I don't know what the coaches have is seeing or what they're not seeing, but this shuffling of the line. I know we're missing some players for injury, but we got to get it together with who we're playing. I mean, McKenna didn't play this past week. I don't know why. No, yeah, he did. McKenna played. Yeah. McKenna played. Yeah. He played right guard. Yeah. Oh. Okay, okay, who was it that? So, so why didn't was it Gongowski that didn't play? Yeah, Glowinski. Yeah, Glowinski didn't play. Yeah, Lemieux took Lemieux his spot. Play. Yeah. My question is, okay, I get it. He didn't have a great performance week one. I guess he came in Arizona, did somewhat decent. But then week three, we're just going to throw Lemieux in there. He ain't played, what, since last year? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out the musical chairs with the line. I get it. They're piecing together. It's only going on week four. But we got to get that grounded. And two down, my last point, we got to get it under control before it gets into the into the meat of the in the division because we got to take care of that. If we can't take care of home, we don't, know, we don't belong in the playoffs. Got it. Well, keep Thank in mind, you, Jamal. Appreciate the I call, mean, man. they were 1-4-1 and one in the division last year, and they still made the playoffs. So, to me, it goes beyond taking care of business in the division. It's now taking care of business in terms of you got Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo, at least in the near future. You know, you got to handle your business there. You should not be thinking about Washington and Philadelphia right now, okay? Because at the end of the day, the games that they won outside of the division last season proved to be the ultimate difference maker yeah. after they struggled in the division. So you can't throw away these games no, every that game are not matters. against NFC East opponents. Every game yeah. matters. Especially when you get to the common opponent tiebreaker too with this sure. stuff. If you're yeah. tied with division record inside the division, then you have that issue too. So, by the way, folks, I didn't have a chance to get to the questions today, uh, but I will on with Wednesday uh, with Paul Dottino. So send in your emails, bigbluekickoff at gmail.com. Again, that's our show email address, bigbluekickoff at gmail.com. I see a bunch from last week after the game. Um, I will get to those with you um, on Wednesday's show 
with Paul. Again, it's bigbluekickoff at gmail.com. And don't forget, folks, if you want Giant tickets, go to giants.com slash tickets. You have season tickets. You have individual game tickets. Become a membership. All that stuff. Go check it out and go download Giants TV, the Giants streaming app, whether it's on Roku, Apple TV, Google TV, whatever it is. Go check or Android TV, pardon me. Uh, check that out uh, wherever you get your streaming services. And I left this one topic for last, Pearson, because I knew Lance wanted to leave the show with this. I had to talk him out of it. This is all he wanted to talk about today, but I convinced him not to. Your thoughts on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's been rumored for quite some time, so now you have the visual evidence with her in the box. So, well, let's put it this way. It didn't take anything away from his game, I'll tell you that. He found a way to get into the end zone. So if people are thinking it's the new distraction narrative that didn't necessarily add up after at least one game. So I don't really think that there's anything else to take away from it. I'm certainly not losing sleep over who Travis Kelsey has on the dating scene, though. I do think Bill Belichick had the greatest oh, line. I, I, yeah. I saw it too. Yeah, Belichick take was it. asked about Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift, and he goes, well, you know, Kelsey's had a lot of great catches over the course of his career, but this may be the best catch of all. So, you know, hey, Bill's even keeping up on, uh, you know, a little entertainment value. Bill's a Swifty. Yeah, no, that, that, was, a, that was a very nice, well-executed line by uh, Bill Belichick. And, and, look, and, and this is not surprising because if you watch some of, like, the VMAs and stuff like that, and you see Taylor Swift react as, like, other artist performance and stuff, like, she tends to get into oh, things. Oh, she's very emotional, sure. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and That's she, I'm not surprised what happened yeah, in the box. And, 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 like, yeah. and she doesn't, like, care about holding back, and I kind of give her credit for that. Like, she was going nuts in that booth. Nah, I mean, listen, this she's entitled to She's enjoying herself. No, it's great. I, I love it. I yeah, think it's great. Nah, nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, I have no problem. I mean, and once again, I don't see Travis Kelsey forgetting how to play football because of his yes. personal relationship. So right. anybody going there, I would not read into that. Now, most importantly, you know, we like to play fact or fiction or over-under. Pearson, you're going to play in this game too, all right? Over and under, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift will still be dating by NFL <laughs> week number nine. Over or under? Pearson, let's start with you. I'm going a hard under. Hard under. Okay, yes. so this will be a short-term relationship. Yes. And, and it will be Taylor that breaks it off, I'm assuming. She might already have a song at that point. <laughs> okay, about it. song released about Travis Kelsey by Week 9. I like oh, the addition. Boy, I that's like a that. quick turnaround, though, to have a song she released by Week 9. She might be writing it right now. She may be writing it, but, I mean, to have it produced and get in studio, I don't know. That's cutting it too close. I'll take the over with respect oh, really? to that. Yeah. I mean, listen, if it doesn't work out, I could see it maybe happening after this oh, season. How about this? Will Taylor so. Swift be attending a fact or fiction? Taylor Swift will be attending a Chiefs playoff game this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go with the fact. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, you have to look at it from this standpoint, like too. You know, not that she needs the exposure. Right. But it doesn't hurt if the Chiefs continue to win football games and she's going to be on the tube every single weekend now, because I should... Kansas City is usually more often than not on national television so you could argue and I'm not saying this is a relationship Let's break it for down. convenience the, no, no. The X's I'm and just O's saying that I think it helps her cause <laughs> if she actually stays in the relationship with Travis Kelsey that's all at least for the good portion of the season do we know if her tour is over do we know that Pearson is her tour over none of us are swift no I, I, I can't say that I'm going on the website to determine whether or not I would assume though if she is on tour it's got to be in the United States though I find it hard to believe that it's going to be overseas at this point well, and you would think that that would be built in to accommodate the relationship right now you right don't have if, to do this on air well, I'm just saying if you're if you're Travis <laughs> yeah, Kelsey if you're Travis Kelsey or the U.S. dates no her. she is she is still touring well no see I no, think it starts in October right well no she that yeah I mean so she's probably on a break right now but okay. but the tour is still going on so she'll start but, touring again in Miami she takes a southern and midwestern tour from October to November. Then the tour's over November 3rd. See, I think there's okay. a better chance of them staying together while she's on tour. Exactly. Because there's less exposure that way, right? And less you interaction, know, too. Right. Yeah. The way these so things, things can't tend go to badly. work, Correct. the more yeah. they're together, the better chance of them getting however, into a fight and things going However, away. here is a key ingredient okay. that we should look up, okay? I'm bringing up the Chiefs' schedule. Maybe <laughs> oh, one of the games... This is great content. Yeah, well, no, I'm this just doing content. it because I can tell he wants to wrap up this the show, so content. that's more of a reason. No, let's see. <laughs> is a Kansas City Chiefs game overlap with where Let's she's see. located. So she's in Miami from the 18th to the 20th of October. Oh, uh, too bad. They play Miami November 5th, but they're not on the road anyway. It's a home game, so that wouldn't have any impact. On November okay. 5th? That's like a Tuesday. No, November 5th or Sunday. Oh, Lance, the these are yeah. 2024 dates, so oh, no, the tour's okay. over. I'm sorry. Oh, I, all right, I, so, I was yeah. just looking at the month. That's a tease. I was just right. looking at the month. So yeah, then the schedule so the has no bearing. Oh, so that— you know, So there will be more interaction. I'm with Pearson. I'm There'll going be more interaction. under. 
I think now that I have more information, I'm going to go under here. I think by week nine, yeah, but, they will be broken up. Yeah, but once again, you're not looking at it from a marketing standpoint. She, she has to sell tickets. She has to sell tickets to the upcoming Taylor tour. Taylor Swift has trouble selling no, tickets? No, I don't think so. But no, she's tapping into a different <laughs> fan base. Maybe not everybody who's a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan is a, what is it? It's a Swifty? Is that what they call Swifty, them? Yes. Swifty, okay. So maybe, I think <laughs> her PR people are telling her, you know, Chiefs fandom, which is widespread, they buy tickets like every other human yeah. being. Now, the NFL should have waited to announce their halftime show because maybe if this became serious, they could have gotten Taylor to do halftime at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but then Kelsey runs the risk of a distraction. Okay. okay? You have a relationship. <laughs> you have an artist who you're involved in performing at halftime. Andy Reid's going to have to chase down Travis Kelsey because he wants to go out during halftime. No. Let Usher handle it this year, and then we can negotiate for the following. Even better, you could have one of the yeah. teams, Pearson, participate in the halftime show instead of going into the locker room. You could have, like, you know, Oh, I'm Patrick sure Andy Reid, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He wants them putting on costumes and then worried about them taking it off no, in time they wouldn't, no. for let's the not, third quarter let's kickoff. Let's not be ridiculous. There wouldn't be a costume change. No, well, they would Taylor just go out Swift, there in their pads. Well, she's a performer, though. Yeah, but they're going to have to doll <laughs> have up the pads, though. I have other work though. to do. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, let's say Pearson does that. Yeah. I, can, I can testify Pearson is correct. He has a lot of other work to do. So let's let him go. That would, I think that's going to be the title of the podcast, by the way. The Kelsey Swift over-under relationship. You know, actually, by the way, okay. Taylor Swift, I heard, is preparing Travis Kelsey to block in route to running routes next oh, week so that he could simultaneously God. accomplish both. I'm told from a good source. My wife yes. wanted to do the shake it off dance after he scored the touchdown. He was very, very, very oh, disappointed. The that season is young, happen. though. The season is young. Maybe we get yes. one of those. I'll it's tell you possible. what, though. I guarantee you he's getting killed in the locker room by his teammates. Over oh, I'm there. sure they're they like, throwing Taylor yeah. Swift quotes at him. Yeah, but all in good like, fun, though. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's all yeah. good fun. But I'm yeah. sure he's 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 getting he's getting. Uh, something tells me Kelsey can roll with the punches. I guarantee you what he and his brother have a podcast. Oh, I'm Jason sure probably gives it to him during the week, too. So you're telling me there might be some bad blood there. Bad blood between the brothers are we talking about? No. See, no, see, no, no. Not the no, brothers. See, Pearson got the joke. He didn't even get the reference. It's no, I, famous Taylor Swift song called Okay, I'm sorry. I haven't necessarily go, read up on my catalog yet. I'll, or, I will be doing that in or, between or broadcasts. Instead of reading the no, catalog, I'm familiar with her music, catalog, but yes. I'm not necessarily all right, memorizing all the names of her songs. Right, I'm poor, sorry. Oversight on my Meadow. part. Yes. I'm John Schmelk. This has been Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York Giants. Tomorrow it is Cross and Madeline, so check it out at 1230. I'm sure Madeline will be all over the Swifty talk for you, Pearson. We'll talk to you then. Until then.